I want to send a message of support to all Jewish students on campus. We are here for you and we will continue to be here for you no matter what. Second, I am here to support you or address any anti-Semitism that you may face on campus. Nothing That's a video posted on the U of T Hillel Instagram account recently, and the voice you hear is Jacqueline Dressler. She's Hillel's advocacy manager there. A week ago, Dressler brought together about 25 people from the U of T community, all Jewish, for what was being billed as a restorative circle. It was an hour-long session, which she ran, to create an emotionally safe environment where Jewish U of T members could open up and process their encounters with anti-Semitism, and then find a way to move forward and deal with it in a positive way, mainly by finding moments of Jewish joy. The restorative circle comes in the wake of the recent controversy over a report about how bad anti-Semitism is at the U of T's Temerty Medical School. We reported on this earlier on the CJN Daily. Hillel says this is a positive signal that the university is finally taking anti-Semitism as seriously as it takes discrimination against other marginalized groups on campus. For a long time, and we can see this, um, you know, when we look to the generations before us, like the heaviness of carrying the burden of anti-Semitism and to see these younger people say, oh, I want to like work on this and find ways to cope and turn it. I, I hate to say like turn it into something positive because that's kitschy and there's no way you can turn anti-Semitism into something positive, but doing constructive things to heal. That's beautiful and amazing. And it feels new. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, January the 30th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. So regular listeners might remember that in December, we reported on how Dr. Ayelet Cooper authored a paper in the Canadian Journal of Medical Education, alleging that anti-Semitism remained a rampant problem at the U of T Medical School. Now, we asked the U of T for an interview with the president, Merrick Gertler, at the time they didn't make him available. When U of T announced they were hosting this restorative circle on January the 23rd, again, no interviews, but the media team did send us a long written answer. It outlines some of the initiatives the university has taken since February of 2021, when it received the report of a working committee on anti-Semitism. So far, U of T says it's completed six of the eight recommendations, including improving accommodations for Jewish holidays during exams and other important assignments, plus explicitly including anti-Semitism in the equity office's duties, which is where this whole restorative circle comes in. So to find out more and why Hillel agreed to facilitate it, we'll hear from two guests, including a student who actually attended. That's a little later in our show. But first, I'm joined by Hillel's advocacy lead for the U of T, Jacqueline Dressler. It came as a surprise to us when U of T, after the holidays, said, oh, here's all the things we're doing. And by the way, there's a healing circle. But uh, why? how did Hillel get involved in this? Why wasn't it some sort of other, I don't know, like the office itself of equity doing this work? We were asked, so first of all, we were asked to do this uh, back in the fall. So this is before the report was released. Um, it it might have even been, been before the um, incident at Monk with the swastika. Um, and it's part of their regular programming. If you go to the website, you can see that they offer these healing circles for, for many other communities. Um, and, and I actually want to sort of 
commend them for this one thing. I want to commend them for actually asking a, the Jewish campus organization to be involved in this. Um, we represent Jewish students at the University of Toronto. Um, we advocate for them. Um, I appreciate that they, instead of like, we're going to do this, we know it's best that they in fact turn to Hillel and say, um, can you help us with this? You're, you know what you're doing. You know your community. And, um, and they've also actually um, invited us, and I will actually be running this as well, um, an anti-Semitism educational seminar in May, I believe. So um, I think it's very important that um, the, the members of the affected community are the ones doing the speaking. How did this come about that this request came forward to Hillel? Absolutely. So it's actually not the first time. Um, last year, um, and I, I can't speak to any years before that, but uh, Rabbi Ariella Rosen ran uh, her version of a healing restorative space for Jewish community at, at the University of Toronto. Um, and we are, um, I would say, in, in many ways, fortunate to have uh, quite a nice relationship with the office Um it's the ARCDO is the acronym. I don't want to mess it up. Um, Anti-racism cultural diversity office. There we go. Um, and, and we, we uh, work closely with some of the staff there. And through that relationship, they asked if we would be willing to uh, host one of those sessions, which of course we were at Hillel thrilled to be able to offer that to the community. And also you did one this past week at Western, and that was an in-person one. What does a healing circle look like? What does it entail for people who've never been to one? It's a couple things. And first I'll say that um, in my experience, which I do have a, a background in equity, diversity, and inclusion work, um, other communities, racialized communities, have been doing some of these practices for a long time to, to heal from the trauma um, uh, that racism and other forms of discrimination cause. So I, I, I could absolutely be wrong here, but I don't see this done that much in the Jewish community. And I'm really happy that we are doing it. And, and how do we do that? So in, in racial healing, you first have to recognize the pain and the trauma that anti-Semitism has caused the, you, you're, you and, and the community and the folks around you. You have to name it and you have to be ready to sort of face it. Um, then you kind of work in um, recognizing the pain in others. So you recognize in yourself, you recognize how other people around you are affected by it. And then you work on um, ways to heal. And that looks different for everyone. And and it doesn't even have to be healing Jewishly, if you will. Um, maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's being looking in the mirror and saying, I love my curly hair. Um, maybe it's addressing um, like in person or a letter, some of the people who you um, have experienced discrimination from. Um, and it's really unfortunate, but part of racial healing is, is you have to take some sort of ownership for your trauma, which is super uncomfortable. And I want to name that, that you as a victim have to, to have to do that, but um, it's sort of deciding to like, I'm going to turn this and I'm going to heal and I'm going to take positive actions to do so. What do you mean that it's uncomfortable when you go to, when a person goes to a healing session, what happens? Walk us through what it actually looks like. Because it's a, a big group. We, we don't have the opportunity for everyone to go and like share out 
like verbally of some of um, their experiences uh, with anti-Semitism. We don't have that kind of time. So um, what we're going to be doing is sort of like journaling, like a short journaling activity, and then actually sharing out more of like the, the phrases and the words that would come to mind when you think about that. So, um, so taking our trauma and then also turning to look at moments of, of Jewish joy and ways that we can celebrate our culture, our diversity of our community, and like setting intentions going forward of how we can continue to do that sort of thing. What is it that they're you're hearing? I know you can't, of course, mention names, but in general, some examples of what you were hearing. Yeah. So a lot of it is like I felt alone. That was like something that kept coming up. I was alone. I was isolated. I think several people actually used the word isolated. Um, I didn't feel believed when I tried to talk about it. Like what caused these feelings? Can you specifically give an example or two sure. of what they reported to you? So, so I didn't ask because it's a big group. Like there's just no way that like the, the participants, we just don't have the time for them to share the instances. So I was asking them to like share the, the, the words and the phrases that came up, like when they were experiencing what they were, what they had experienced. So, um, I mean, I could talk about instances like that we're seeing on campus, if, if that's, if that's helpful. I mean, like, let's, let's talk about U of T there with a swastika drawn on the monk school on the gates for everyone to see. Um, and of course, um, we're all still like, processing and discussing um, Dr. Ayelet Cooper's um, report. Um, and, and those are just like the sort of big public ones. But uh, myself and, and my uh, colleagues, like we're every day hearing from students instances, um, hearing things in their classrooms, things um, a professor might say, a classmate might say, maybe they're at the gym and they hear something. Maybe they're even at a party. Like I've heard things where it's like a chill, fun atmosphere and a student um, experiences um, a, an like a, an anti-Semitic, like microaggression or just aggression. Um, it's, it's happening all the time. What kind of things are you and people at Hillel suggesting that, that students try to turn something positive? Um, I don't usually suggest anything because I think it should be whatever students feel like feeds them. But you know what we hear a lot, Ellen, is students are like, I light Shabbat candles on Friday nights. That's like a, a, a practice for me. Some students are doing it um for like a more religious reason. Some students are doing it because that's what they watched their um, mom do growing up. And some of them are like, I had a student say, I'm I'm not religious, but I do it because I'm connecting to my culture, my ancestors. It's a peaceful practice for me to do that every night. It feels healing. And I'm going to commit to doing that every Friday. Were any prayers said, or do you do a song or anything or any kind of, I don't know, Jewish bracha at these events? I've seen it done many times. Maybe it just doesn't, it would not feel right for me to be doing it. But what I did offer was like several, um, I offered a poem. Um, I also offered several um, like passages uh, from uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs on like Jewish resilience. Maybe you could read the poem. The Jewish people have been around for longer than almost any other. We have known our share of suffering, and still we are here, still young, 
still full of energy, still able to rejoice and celebrate and sing. Jews have walked more often than most through the valley of the shadow of death, yet they lost neither their humor nor their hope. How much of an impact has what President Gertler, Merrick Gertler, the president of the U of T, said in December, he came out and spoke about this incident, well, the report and, mm -hmm. and anti-Semitism. He's talked to the Senate. He wrote something for the um, the newspaper. But has he apologized to you and to the Jewish students specifically? Has he come and talked to anyone Jewish? That's sort of above me. <laughs> um, I, I have a lot of hope for where... Um, my, my director, Amit Rosenblum and myself, um, the work that we're going to be doing going forward to like continue to strengthen um, the relationship between Hillel and um, the, the university. And, and I'll say this, I'll say that Jewish students on campus are bearing the brunt of anti-Semitism today. Like, let's be honest, it's happening, most of it on campus. Um, it's, it's ground zero for anti-Semitism right now. And I think We've got these big incidents. We have the report, we have the swastika, um, the article and the statement you're mentioning. We also have, those are like the huge things, but I, I see in a way anti-Semitism on campus as like a thousand paper cuts for these students. So how does the healing circle, what do you hope this does? It, it's giving students, faculty and staff, we are saying, we hear you. We are there in the trenches, listening to our students, supporting them from start to finish. And this is sort of like that, that final healing stage. Hopefully it's the beginning of the final end of it, which is like recognizing their trauma because it is so much to, what they've been dealing with here at U of T. Like, like you rightly said, it's so much. And we are, we're taking that next step with them. Yeah, this is a, this is a good, a, a really good step forward, but just one step, just one step. This is not the end. We want, we want more. We're always asking for more. I think like that's, that's what we're doing here. We're, 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 we're unhappy with the status quo. It's not acceptable what students are going through, not acceptable at all. And we're always seeing what we can do, asking the university, not just U of T, but all the universities that we work with at, at Hillel to, to do more to support our students. Alex Rose's name is probably familiar to you. He's been a reporter for the CJN, and he's currently a U of T grad student. He founded the campus chapter of Canadian Friends of Peace Now. Alex was one of 25 people who attended Hillel's restorative circle at the U of T. He joins me now. What, what was, how did it go? What was the program, and, and how did you guys even hear about it? Um, well, to be honest, I heard about it from, from you guys. So I would have gone to this anyways if, if I had found out about it myself. Um, but what was interesting was, you know, it was virtual. It was it was online on Zoom and it was only about an hour, although it actually was even shorter than that. And it wasn't really interpersonal the way I thought it would be. But it was using, I guess, a, a racial healing framework, which isn't something I was so familiar with. Um, but it apparently, according to Jacqueline from Hillel, who was running it, you know, a lot of communities use this very specific kind of framework. So it's about um, you know, acknowledging and naming your experiences with anti-Semitism in our case specifically, and giving an example, and then sharing a little bit about how that makes you feel, and and talking about, and then we would we moved on to times when we felt resilience and Jewish joy, and then an, an intention going forward to help us kind of heal from this. But it it was more like I said, personal and private, with only a little bit of sharing, especially being on Zoom. You know, there was some messages in the chat, but no one was actually talking to each other on the mic. So. 
Um, it wasn't really what I expected. Not that I knew so much what to expect, but it was, yeah, I think it was maybe the beginning of a process, but, um, in my few years, years here, I've seen them do a lot of outreach that have been supported by the school, like the working group for anti-Semitism that they had. And there was this healing circle, even the student union, which gets a bad rap, but they spoke to us for hours last year. They spoke to Hillel. They spoke to myself and other people from, from Peace Now. They, they want to get our perspective. And, and some of the stories about them have been blown out of proportion. Again, there is real grievances that the Jewish people have on campus, but and this is my own personal experience coming to the fore here more, but I haven't felt any of it, which is not to say that it doesn't exist, but also a lot of the people reading the stories, like uh, the one about the, the kosher food from a few years ago, if you actually go and look at the details of that, it was so innocuous and was dealt with immediately. And no one from the union ever said they wouldn't support kosher food because Hillel was on board with it, right? Which is the story that gets thrown around. Like I've had people send me articles from the Times of Israel uh, or maybe it was Jerusalem Post that say that's what happened when it's not what happened. I reported on that for the Canadian Jewish News at the time. So, you know, a little bit off track, but um, it is really meaningful to see the University of Toronto committing to supporting Jewish people. And I, I just wanted to push back a little bit against the idea that they haven't done any of that before, that it's an awful climate for all Jewish people here. Okay, it's important to hear that, uh, for not only as a student, but also as an outside observer who's reported on it. I want to just dig deep for one second. You said that you personally haven't had experiences on campus of anti-Semitism. Do you want to share what you wrote and said? Yeah, so I guess I will. I can really only think of one time that I consider uh, having anti-Semitism directed at me, but I also probably have like a pretty high threshold for that stuff. I just, I mean, it's a whole other conversation. I, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but um, and not just with anti-Semitism, but in general, I, I don't often get my feathers ruffled by things like that. But this was in the spring. It was Lugba Omer this past year in Christie Pitts and the Moisha House was having a bonfire. And so there were a bunch of people there. We were all gathered, mostly Jewish, uh, around the bonfire. But it's a public place, right? So some other people stumbled through. And I asked one of them if I could borrow a lighter. And she said um, something like, are you a Zionist or, or what do you think about the Palestinians or something like that? I don't remember exactly. And uh, I wasn't quite sure how to respond. I, I still think about this somewhat often about what if, if there was something I could have said in that moment to make her realize. I mean, I actually did ask her at the time. I'm like, so every Chinese person you meet, you ask them what they think about the Uyghurs. And then she said, well, yeah, I would. So, I mean, yeah, it's problematic for a lot of reasons, not least of which because the the implication that she's making is is, and the assumptions are, are really oversimplifying the whole conflict. Um, so, yeah, I I think if I had another chance to talk to her, I, I would have basically said what I said right now. Like, yeah, it's it's really cool to see that you're the one who gets to judge and evaluate all the ethnic minorities <laughs> or something like that ah. and then did you get the lighter i think in the end you know i don't remember it was just oh well was... because you get flooded right you get like oh my god and then only like now can you deal with what you should have said could have said would have like if you had been quicker on the you know yeah and i got part of it out i mean just i mean i think really once she said that she would also expect every Chinese person to validate themselves to her should have like it really tells me all I need to know but I still 
get worked up about it sometimes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. And today's listener shout-out goes to all of you, the listeners, because as of this weekend, we reached a milestone with the podcast, over half a million downloads since we launched back in the spring of 2021. I am so humbled and we're honored that we're part of your daily habit or even your occasional habit. And so half a million thanks to Metropia and to you for your support. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hear why Yidlife Crisis's comedy team has translated one of its classic episodes into Chinese. Thanks for listening. Thank you.